Blog Talk Radio. Thoughts on what Coach Price did the other night? Suit him up. Suit him up. Put a damn uniform on him. Get him ready to go. You know, I, I think it's just absolutely awesome. Uh, I hope I have that much spirit at 70, you know, that I'm ready to go fight the good fight. Are you, do you appreciate what he did? No, you know what? I appreciate I appreciate uh, everybody having the right to voice their opinion. Coach Price and the young man that, that uh, was behind putting the sign up, I think that's great. I said, you know, if we get 6,500 more people up there that want to go put signs up, God bless them. You know, I think that, uh, you know, when you got a program that uh, has won 23, 22, and 19 games and people want more, I think that's a great place to go coach. And uh, um, I, I've, I'm, um, I'm happy on all parts, you know, for all of them. Yeah. So no hard feelings toward those fans holding up that those signs? Absolutely okay. not. Absolutely not. No, that's uh, uh, that, that's anybody's prerogative. And, and uh, uh, you know, I think that uh, – you know, we've got a, a tremendous fan base. Always have had a great fan base, and uh, you know, we uh, you know down a little bit right now, and people want to jump on it. That's that's fine. That's fine. What's going on, Minor Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, live on the Rush Podcast here with the one and only Alex Nicholas. Those were the words of UTEP men's basketball coach Tim Floyd earlier today. Um, I have a prerogative to podcast. What? <laughs> like. <laughs> What did this guy just say? This guy really? Did this guy just really try to spin this into a positive here? You know, wow, I, I I call I call wow. bullshit on it, and you know, I mean, if you want to, I don't even want to say taking sides, but you guys know where we're hold at. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. This is brew worthy today. Shane Arnold, friend. cheers. First off, y'all want to call in 347-934-0951 is a call-in number. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Obviously, this is a topic that's been going on since Saturday, since everything broke out. Coach Price, Tim Floyd, you know the you know the drill. I don't need to explain it to you. Y'all know what happened. And I know it's old news, and we're kind of waiting for it to blow over, too, but this is our opportunity to get in on it. So what you got, man? Yo, that was <laughs> – first of all, that was one of the most craziest things I've ever seen the Don Haskins Center. I've seen – Omar Thomas about to throw the throw blows. I seen. I think it was back in the day. Mark Ingles got in some type yeah, of I was crap. There, I was there when Kevin Beal. I think it was that Kevin thing. Beal knocked out Sly Johnson. I believe. I think I was. From, I was from uh, Wyoming. What year was that? Was that man? That was like ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, I was yeah. a young uh, that, that dude Sly. I believe his name was Sly Johnson or something like that. He he pushed. He no, hold on. I think he fouled somebody on the run, and Jeff Spiller, remember little Jeff Spiller, yeah. little five ten guard, comes in and tries to get in his face, and Sly, Sly Johnson just pushes him, and here comes Kevin Beal running in, bro, boom, and just levels him, man. Just, I mean, I mean, that was. I've seen some crazy shit in that Don. Great games, good artists. I've done illegal things in there with uh, <laughs> with concerts and whatnot, <laughs> but I mean, I've never ever seen anything like this, and, and you know, it was. It was like a somber last seven or eight minutes. I mean, it was it was really reminiscent of what that southeastern Louisiana game. Very quiet, you know. I mean, credit to UTEP if you want to. I mean, the guys never really quit if you want to say that. You know, they fought hard. They can, you know, it didn't get out of hand. Even though losing, you know, by more than eight points to a low major team is, in my opinion, out of hand. But whatever. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting ready. You know, I'm sending out the last tweet. I thought the last tweet was funny because I put that gift with LeBron James getting knocked in the face with the ball, just what, what UTEP did. So I'm, I'm look, I walk into the presser, and I look up and I see the signs. You know, obviously, you know that's, that's I'm, as I'm walking, my body's angled. The first thing I'm gonna look at is the signs. But right after I see the signs, I see Mike Price. Mike Price had this look on his face like he was gonna fuck some shit up. And it's funny because the whole time I'm, I'm thinking and I'm in my head I'm predicting it. I see the signs. The next thing I see is Price, and I'm thinking, oh, shit, Price is going to rip those signs down. Sure enough, homeboy runs down the stairs about, we're probably maybe about seven rows down from uh, where, you know, where, where, where it splits UU to, to yeah, regular yeah. U. And I'm thinking, he's going to rip that sign down. Sure enough, Mike ripped the sign. I'm thinking, he's going to push somebody or get stuck and say something. Mike grabs it away, kind of puts his arm out to kind of give distance for Lutep, but then still gets in his face. And then he kind of like, push, shove, grab them. Like, you've been in the club. You know how it goes. Like, when somebody pushes you, but they still grab you. 
And I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. But all of a sudden, the UTEP police come, and Mike Price is gone. And I don't see him. I just see the back of his white head. And, it, dude, it was like 15 to 20 seconds max. It, it was just I, – I couldn't – and I was sitting there at first. I was like in awe, like, I, I just – like, I just that, – that was Mike Price. <laughs> and the next thing, all I could do, there was uh, one of the photographers, Jesus Rosales. I just grabbed his shoulder, and I was – laughing my ass off, bro, because I just, like, at first it was shocked because it was Mike Price. If it was somebody else, I may have, you know, Lutep's a cool dude, and I may have tried to if the situation got hairy, but it was Mike Price. It was funny. Uh, it was, I just, I was laughing. I was laughing the whole way to the presser. Nobody in the press room believed me. I'm yeah. telling all these reporters, well, and I'm like... Rush, <laughs> minor Rush, you put that out on Twitter first, and then did the little write-up on it, and this thing gained, got some legs, <laughs> man. And over, story over, the last, over the last three days, you've had ABC, NBC, El Paso Times. Like, I mean, everybody picked up this story and is just making this huge deal out of it. Mike Price has come out, talked to a couple of the different networks, and, you know, he, he didn't really back down from what he did. You know, yeah. he, he kind of downplayed it a little bit, and, and he says he probably wouldn't do it if he had the opportunity to, you know, again, obviously. But, I mean, look, what, what, this, what this really comes down to is, and I don't even want to get into all the bullshit about, like, it's my right to and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Give me a break, yeah, yeah. man. Give me a break. Look, I'm on your side, Lutep. I understand. I'm, I'm right with you at Fireploy, but I'm not about that whole thing. Like, I, I'm not saying he was wrong to do it, but I, I don't want to get into that, that whole thing. You know? Was it respectful the, 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 or not? What, what I want to get into is the facts. The facts are that Tim Floyd has underachieved over and over and over, not only at UTEP, but at every single place that he's been, every single place that he's been. If I were to ask you a question right now, I would say, how many seasons, Tim Floyd's been coaching since the late 70s, been a head coach since the early 80s, roughly. How many seasons along his coaching tenure would you have believed or would you think that he's had with more than 25 wins? Knowing one off the top of my head, I would, and then thinking, guessing blindly about his success at USC, and knowing, you know, I know I looked at his record. I would say four. The man I, I would has say had four. one, and that was New Orleans, right? With 26. more than twenty-five wins, and that was New Orleans when he went twenty-six and four. Now, granted, I'm not saying that twenty-five wins is is the mark. He's had a couple seasons at twenty-five wins, but I'm not saying that's the mark. But what I'm saying is, in this day and age. With the conference the way it is, do you see how watered down this conference is? I'm looking at the power rankings and, and the RPI rankings, and I realize, hey, we're just into December. RPI doesn't mean a whole lot right now. But we have, I think, six or seven teams that are outside of the top I'm not 300. watered down Kool-Aid. 300. I'm not drinking. I, I may do a USA podcast, but I'm not drinking that damn Kool-Aid, bro. Like that, that's unheard nope. of. That's unheard of. And, and what did we think four years ago under Floyd when this new conference USA – kind of molded, and not only here in El Paso, but other Conference USA fans, oh, shit, here comes UTEP. Like, here comes UTEP. We thought it was our opportunity. Here, 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 we thought it was our opportunity to step forward and be that Memphis, Memphis. and take and over And that was, like team. I said, that wasn't people in El Paso. I've heard that oh, yeah, podcast yeah. from UAB fans, yes. particular UAB yes. fans that were worried, like, oh, damn. Yeah, we may be, we may be what UTEP was, and now UTEP was going to be what Memphis was. And the thing that fires me up the most about this whole – Back and forth thing with Floyd, with his comments, is the win total. I hate that shit that he keeps running up. 23, 20, 19. Look, but who has look, 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 if you're at UTSA, if you're at a low major, good. You know, that's great. But here at UTEP, the expectation, I think, has always been to compete for a conference title and make the NCAA look, tournament. Here's another thing. If you were playing, okay, if you were playing like, Arizona, Gonzaga, New Mexico uh, every year, every single year, and you, you didn't have these northeastern Louisiana and southwestern this and whatever, New Orleans. Stuff, if, you did, if you were playing a truly tough schedule and coming away with 23 wins, everything else would speak for itself and people would be happy. But this whole thing of trying to paint it as, oh, everything's better than people are making it seem is a bunch of bullshit. It is straight bullshit because it has been seven years, seven years, and nothing, nothing to show for it. Not a single conference championship, and that was including the first year when he had Barbie's team left over. He had a bunch of studs on that team. He could not even win a championship with that team. He could not even get us to the NCAA tournament with that team. And he has done nothing since. And, I mean, I, I tweeted it out last night. 
Again, I'm not, I'm not worried about the opinions and all that stuff. I'm talking about facts, straight facts. The fact is that Tim Floyd has only had, let me see, I, I don't remember what the exact one, stat One I, winning season since, or one season was under no, 10 one, loss. It was, it was one conference championship since 1992, I think is what it was. And I think it was one season with less than 10 losses since 1996, something like that. And he came in here projecting he would turn this thing into the 80s with, with knowing that. that one. One. Uh, just, and it, just, it continues to get worse by the game. You know, looking at this current team right now, I mean, this three-game losing streak, I've never seen anything. I've never seen a Tim Floyd team play like this here at UTEP. And as bad as it's kind of been with inconsistency, at least this team has been able to kind of defend, give themselves a chance. You really rarely have seen this team kind of get blown out. But over the last three games, you're only averaging 59 points. You're shooting 37% from the field and 27% from three-point line. I mean, that's – that right there is just it, – it's trickling down, and it just seems like every year it's just been getting worse. And it just – there's that culture. And you have, you made a tremendous point when you went on Sports Talk the other day. Uh, I just thought that that this this right here, I think you might, you might drop the whole Tim Floyd situation. When you mentioned that first year that he came in and basically was like, it's my way or the highway, yep. the door's right there. That set up that culture of – like you mentioned, that set that culture why because everybody now in their mind has it that you know what if it doesn't work out with this fucker i can just leave and fuck building the chemistry fuck building a program that's all went out of the that's basically went out the window and like you hit it right on the head man that really to me spoke volumes when you went out there and said that because it's to me that's the ultimate fact is that when tim floyd got this job he set this culture of players to party and i think that is 80 percent of why tim floyd isn't just succeeding. I mean, obviously, duh, you lose your player, you lose a good player, it's not going to win. Yeah. But I think 75% of that is on Tim Floyd, and 25% of that falls on the player himself. 75%, you may, you know, your Floyd homers or whatever, may, oh, that's a little bit high. Well, Tim Floyd's the same guy that went into these guys' parents' living rooms and either better than the world that he, they were going to help turn Utah, UTEP around or he was going to get them to that next level. And it hasn't happened. And that's where that 75-25 comes in because he does all the recruiting. He makes all the promises. And these guys know coming in from day one in 2011-2010, that precedent was already said, if you don't like it, there's a door. And obviously a high number of players do not like it and they've taken exactly. that out. Exactly. And that just shows that there's a disconnect between him and his team of how he's going about things. There are certain players that are okay with, uh, you know, his style of coaching and, and the way he talks to them. John Bohannon. He's, he's, yeah, he's, John Bohannon still talks highly of him. And, he, and John Bohannon has said, you know, we've talked to him on this podcast a couple of times, and John has said that, you know, he's, he's just not the coach for everybody. You know, he, he, he doesn't click with everybody. And I think that's why you see a lot of people leave. But the problem that I see is, when you don't have success, when you don't have something to back up your style, when, when you don't have that resume that says, look, this is why I can do this. This is why I want to coach this way. Players are never going to respond to you. And every single year, you know, when, when something happens, whether it be, you know, the gambling thing or, or players leaving for the pros or things like what have happened in the last week with Terry Wynn and now Adrian Moore, we don't really know the whole situation. Adrian Moore, we know Floyd's side of it. That may be the truth. I don't even know at this point. But the point is, when you see all this kind of stuff happening, it just continues to show that, that they're not buying into what he is selling. And he, he's, I go back to that whole thing that I, that I say with, with, with Sean Kugler. And you know what it is. It's trying to shove that square peg in the round hole over and over and over and over, and it's not working. And yet, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what else we need to see. The fans are, are, are pissed off. You know, this is the first time in my life, okay? And, I, I mean, I've been there. I mean, obviously, Haskins was there since the 60s, but I've been there for Haskins, Rabidou, uh, uh Gillespie, Sadler, Barbie, and Floyd, okay? So what is that, six coaches? This is the first time that I've ever, 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 ever seen a, a sign in the Don Haskins Center like we saw on Saturday with Fire Floyd. You do not see that from this crowd because we have real fans that attend these games. You have you have people that go in there that, that really support these grew teams. up with the program. And, like and they grew up you. with the program. They followed it. And, and to see that, that 
disgust from the fans to be able to do that, to, to be like, you know what? I'm so sick of this. I'm going to take this sign into this game that says Fire Floyd. Signs. Apostrophe. You know, it, it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I'm, I'm going to slightly this in my disagree life. with what you say about Floyd not having a resume. I, I think he – I'm, I'm going to kind of agree. I, I'm, not, I'm just going to say I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm going to make a point. Floyd does have an impressive resume. He does. I mean, he's been a lot of places. He's churned out some talent. But the world that we live in in 2016, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. And the fact is, you, Anthony pointed it out. I mean, it, it, it's almost like you want to say and, and truly believe that, you know what, Floyd's kind of a has-been. And that, you know, maybe he's just a great recruiter and a good assistant coach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's kind of where I'm thinking, like, yeah, he has this great resume. He's been around. I respect it. I think it's cool that, you know, he's done what he's done in his career. And I would trade in a heartbeat my career for his, obviously. But, I mean, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately year. And if you keep throwing out 23 – 19, 20 wins, that's, that's showing that as an athletic department, not as a basketball program, as an athletic department, you're okay with mediocrity. And these fans in El Paso that have witnessed conference championships, that have witnessed great players, that have witnessed monumental upsets in that building, that special building that we all go to and all get that feeling when we go in that building, that greatness is here. And those jerseys are in the rafters. And you look at the Harry Flournoy's and the Jim Barnes's and all those guys that made this program what it is. And you're watching 3,000 fans, and you're getting shitted on by Northwestern State and Southeastern Louisiana? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. All, all I want from Tim Floyd more, of course, obviously you want a win, but I just want him to say, you know what? It's not working. It didn't work. I don't know what the solution is. You know, Sean Cougar, or this is, Sean Cougar's first year, he was already talking about three years in Awa. And we always compare and contrast because I think it's fair, but it just shows you who's real and who isn't. And that's really what it is. If Tim Floyd cared, he would apologize with that interview with Darren Hunt was asking him and be like, you know what? I understand the fans' pain. We've won 23 in whatever games we have, but you know what? It pains me too. I'm right there with him. If I was that – this is what I want to hear from Tim Floyd. Yeah. If I was that fan, I would have a sign too because, I, because Tim Floyd is, quote-unquote, St. Floyd when he came. He knows the history of this program. He recruited pretty much almost every player in the 80s. And there's – not be spinning this meteorocracy – should be Tim, it shouldn't be Tim Floyd. Yeah. And that's, I think, what frustrates me more is because it's not about what you've done at, at Iowa State. It's not about whoever you had, Marcus Pfizer, whatever. Fuck those guys. I'm talking about the last five years. Why didn't Chris Sanderford make it? Why, did, why was there a disconnect between Isaac Hamilton? Why was there conflicting stories saying that Hamilton was almost promised that, oh, Floyd's going to USC, I'll be there. Why, why did that come out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, when there's smoke, there's fire, bro. Like, you know, I've kind of said I can be in this business long enough four years running minor restaurant. I know that there's a lot of rumors that message boards, they're fucking true. Yeah. They're right. You know what I mean? So I think that's really what's frustrating me out of this whole thing is, is if there was accountability, I don't think we'd be here talking about this. Accountability, I, 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 man. I, I, I think that's really the only thing. And it's not like, oh, okay, well, we'll give Timmy a pass. He's sorry. But sincere sorry. That's why I can kind of, I can kind of side with Cougar a little bit. Because I understand where he's coming from, and he doesn't try to sugarcoat me. Or when I ask him a question, he looks into my eye and gives me a legit answer, not something that he's going to give to two or three different guys who ask almost the same variation of a question. I think that's what's frustrating from a fan standpoint. There's just the lack of accountability, and we can go on and on and on and on and kill Tim Floyd and throw him under the bus. I mean, moving on to this game against New Mexico, it's UTEP coming in a 12-and-a-half-point dog. I mean – the matchup bullet UTEP dodge was Tim Williams not being available. That guy's probably going to play in the NBA. I don't know how great of an NBA player he could be, but he's a really, really good college player. Elijah Brown, kind of in that same mold. He's going to be playing in the NBA one day, and not just because who his father is. I think he's a legit player. I mean, it, how does Floyd spin this to his players? Because it seems like he's not only losing fans, but looking on Twitter and looking on body language of this team – he's kind of losing this team the way that they were playing Saturday. Like that was not a team that was playing for an embattled head coach that battled, you know, you, you look at what Coogler did over the past couple of weeks and, and, and players are, Coogler was asked whether he was coaching for his job. He said, no, this is where the players, players were asked the same question and players were like, yeah, we, we we're playing for coach. You know, we're playing for ourselves and we're playing for coach too. I don't see that. I don't see that fire. I don't, I, I really just see a disconnect. And I think that could be exposed tomorrow night in a very bad way in a rivalry game that, we were hyped about, 
when it came out, and then once the roster defections kind of kept coming and coming, it was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, this is a team in, in New Mexico that, that we were really expecting big things from, I guess you could say. But, you know, they've fallen to five and three. Um, most recently lost at Illinois State. But Was that the, at a neutral floor on their home floor? I could check that one out. But, you know, um, I, I, I don't even know. It says Mountain West MVC Challenge. I'm assuming that's so at. So they were at the red. At, but um, I don't even know how you can possibly, you know, get to this team if, if you've lost them like it seems that he has. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you say? I mean, what do you say? Like, I mean, the, the only thing that you can, that you can do is, is hope that he has that honesty with them, you yeah. know, that, that he can come out to them and say, you know, hey, I know I haven't done my part. I know I've, I've you know, haven't, you know, held up my end you of the bargain. You guys see it every day. <laughs> you know, and I know that we've had some, some people lose, but we got to come together now, you know. And, and I, but you, you just – that should have already happened. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that, 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 that – I, I realize we're only what six games in, whatever. But that that kind of stuff should have already happened. Like you shouldn't be talking about that at this point. Um, and just to see these guys continue to, to fall, and, and not only that, um, you know, you you have still the suspensions with Omega Harris. You have, I mean, it's just like he has no control of this team. When you when you really take a step back and look at it, um, you know, there, there's the whole thing that happened with Isaiah Osborne that we never even talked about. You know, we kept that one under wraps, and we still will. But, you know, you know what that is. And, and then the, the Omega Harris situations that we've known about. Situations. Situations that we've known about that some have come out and some haven't. And Some people um, tweet at us. Some people tweet at us. Exactly. You know, like people know these kind of yeah. things. And, and when you have no control of your, of your team like that, I mean, the betting stuff. I know this is going back, but the betting, like how – how does that happen? And then he did a great job of damage control, but how does that exactly, how does that, that just shows, it, it, like I said, I, I give Tim some credit for handling that in, in, I don't want to say sweeping under the rug, but taking care of business. But at the same time, I mean, like, another thing that really bothers me is when that Terry Wynn situation come out and Terry Wynn's asking about meal money and asking about this and that, where it's like, you know, like, not even when, when I, when, own, yeah, when, when I was getting recruited, by Ranger College, that coach came into my house and told my mom, you know what, you're going to be, your son's going to be all right. He's going to get educated. He's going to get a good meal every day. And, and I got that. I got that. And this was, a, this was Ranger Junior College, bro. This is like one of the lowest totem poles of junior colleges that you can get to. But I was still, pro- and I, and I ne- not one time that I ever, hey, mom, I need to eat. Like, no, like we had that cafeteria. If you didn't get there in time, coach would take you up there to the flying jet and get you a sandwich or whatever you wanted. Like that. Like that is that bothersome because you see other programs and even on even in UTEP's campus, like you look at, at the at the women's program and, and like how how almost clean that is from that type of standpoint. You know what I mean? Where it's every day you see an ex player that maybe averaged two minutes per game, but she's getting a happy birthday on Twitter. You know what I mean? Or, you know, every every time they go on a road trip, they're taking pictures of all oh, this is study time and you see smiles and you see Keita Adams right there in the middle with her hat. Like, you know, like, you don't, I don't, I haven't felt that. The only time I really felt that was that during that gambling situation because they came together. And I think John Bohannon was a big part of that. I think John Bohannon really was a big part of it. That was his senior year. That was his senior year. And I think that was a case of John Bohannon being the good dude that he is. I mean, Bo is, you know, to me, I think Bo is a, a tremendous overall man. And that, I think that's what that was. But you don't see that from the basketball team. And now you got to go on the road into a tough environment. They're selling $10 tickets. You know it's going to be crazy. You know it's going to be It's always crazy anyway. It's always crazy regardless. I, w- I mean, I, I was planning on going on, I'll going up there, but, I mean, come on now, bro. Like, I didn't go up there for a little bit. But either way, I mean, that right there is, is, is the ultimate gather the horses around, circle the horses or whatever you want to call it, whatever analogy you want to use. I don't know if Tim Floyd can do that in a short time. Now, Omega Harris is back, and like I wrote in the preview today, that should help. You know, I think maybe an early three or two, settle down the crowd, settle down the team, being able to get a couple of stops. But there's not that firepower. There's not that that, that go-to guy that Terry Wynn could have been for this team as, as the season went on. Matt Wilms has played out of his mind, but he's not healthy. He's not in shape. You know, I give Matt Wilms so much credit. We've I don't want to say we've ragged on Matt at all because we feel sorry for him, but we've noted that. You know, this guy's been hurt. He's had these issues. But to see him go out there and play the way he's playing and the effort that he's giving with, that, sh- that should fire up the team in themselves. I mean, that's pretty amazing to see. But, I mean, other than, 
you know, Omega coming back and giving a little bit of a spark plug and, and Wilms just being able to be on the floor. I mean, this New Mexico team probably is going to run circles athletically. And Tim Floyd said it perfectly. New Mexico is a way more athletic team. So that means they're going to get everything from around the rim. They're probably going to get every rebound, every loose ball. And for UTEP, they have to do that. <laughs> and I don't see that happening. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting to see how, you know, you talk about Matt Wilms, how well he's played. But obviously he's still broken you know, nose now. Broken nose. The foot's always been an issue. And um, we don't know how – I mean, when you play with that mask, especially I – mean, not that I've ever played with them, but especially when you've never played with it before. Old school, it's not one of those new ones that it's like a like a like an old. I guess they couldn't find the the right one within enough time. I mean, after Saturday, yeah, I get that. But yeah, dude, that's a good point. Man. I mean, that's another thing to consider. You know, that's not the easiest thing to play with. Um, New Mexico's a team that gets a lot of high percentage shots. They they're shooting almost fifty percent from the field. They they're not a great. The they get to the rim exactly. So they're not they're not a great three point shooting team, which is I they're in the three hundreds. I think in the Kim Palm ratings, they're just under thirty percent from from three point land yeah. as a team. Um, but that, that obviously favors the miners because I feel like the biggest place that the miners have, have been, uh, you know, have, have, that people have taken advantage of them is outside the arc. You but know? at the same time, Northwestern state came in shooting 30% last week and <laughs> looked like the Golden state warriors. So that, that right there is why when I've gone on podcasts, when I've talked about this UTEP basketball team, I can't. There's nothing to break down really. I yeah. mean, other, uh, you just look like I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a stat guy. But I don't like just looking at box scores and looking at team stores. But when you look at youth stats, particularly over the last three games, it tells a story. It paints a picture. It really, really does. And the thing that really stood out to me the most is how well Dominic Artis was playing. But he had seven turnovers, seven assists against a team like Northwestern State that really didn't have the athletes in their front court to be able to kind of create havoc for that. Now they had some length and they, I feel that they bothered them in, in some zone situations. I asked Tim Floyd and Tim Floyd denied the hell out of that. And I was kind of almost wanted to laugh because I noticed that they did get their, they did get some easy shots, but when it was time to get that easy shot, nobody knew what to do out there. Everybody was lost. There was way too many, too much passing going on. And obviously that's kind of weird to say, but you, you could just tell that it was just, it, it's just out of whack everything that program's trying to do right now, man. There's no doubt about it. And, um, I mean, again, heading into the pit, New Mexico, this is, this is a game that these players that are on the team right now might not really realize that this is somewhat of a rivalry game for these two universities. Um, New Mexico is obviously in much better shape without their best player. And it, it, things could get ugly. I mean, it, this it, you know, we're, we just lost twice, okay, by double digits on our home floor to low majors. To, to low majors. And now you're going to, to, to a school like New Mexico that's con- a top three team in the Mountain West this yeah, year, and, I think. Yeah, so. definitely. Even without and, Tim But Williams. consistently been, you know, I'm not going to say a top 25 team, but contender. A, a, a contender for yeah. top 25 status, you know. And, and so. In their environment where it gets buck. I mean, man, this, this can we talk could, football recruiting now? <laughs> This thing could get ugly, but you know, I want I want to pose a question to you, man. I mean, what what will it take for Bob Stahl or Diana Natalicio to step up to the plate and say, "All right, enough is enough." I, I said this yesterday because uh, Dave West asked me the same thing last week or uh, last night, and I, I, I the way that the way that I see UTEP athletics right now, the way it's ran, and I I don't wish this at all. I really do not wish this at all. But it's got to be another big scandal. Like I think that's the only way that, or if you get three or four more players leaving this year in this offseason, I think that is the only two scenarios I could see Tim Floyd not being the head coach last year. Another scandal, which I mean, I kind of think like that could be one. I just mouth something to Anthony. We're keeping under wraps here, you know. Already already knew, but already you know, I, I think there any type of scandal or three or four more players just up and leaving off. I think that's the only way because in Bob Stoll on that Friday show on sports talk basically vowed that Floyd's going to be the coach as long as he keeps winning 20 games and he keeps graduating players and he's going to graduate Dominic Artis this year and that's going to, they're going to blow that up as a big deal and it should be because Artis came before he came from but Floyd's going to try to make it seem like he was a savior when in my opinion that's all on Dominic Artis that's 100% Dominic Artis being a man and Tim Floyd giving him an opportunity so yeah Floyd deserves some credit but Back to your question, something crazy has to happen in the li- and I said I'm not wishing this on YouTube as much as we want Tim Floyd out. It's it's gonna take something like that or another mass. Ed- 
to where you see guys leave. That's the only way I see it happening. Well, how, how do you see it? I mean, I don't. I don't. Now, a scandal, yes. Yeah. That's the only way. they would have no choice. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, even players leaving, like, we've seen that every year since Tim Floyd's been here and it hasn't been and enough. And you think he'll spin and, it even, even after this year? Like, of you, course he would. I mean, what has he always done? You know, that, that Tim Floyd is, is full of excuses, man. Excuses, reasons. Oh, it's because of this. You know, guys leave because of that. Uh, the, the national average for guys that transfer is this. It, it's, it's a, I mean, that's all we hear from Tim Floyd. And his boss says the number three reason people don't go to football game is weather. So, you got the air freshener again? You got the air freshener? I asked you for it earlier. You got that air freshener I just can't believe it, man. Like, I can't believe that the athletic director at a Division One university is sitting there. And, and, I, and I actually tweeted out when, Don, when Bob Stahl had that interview on Friday because I did feel like he was asked some tougher questions than normal. You know, Steve, Steve Kaplowitz didn't just, you know, give him these softball tosses. Now, he didn't exactly give the answers that people wanted to hear. Well, we knew that was But we knew happen. that wasn't going to happen, exactly. No matter who asked And so I tweeted what. out, I said, I, I, I respect Bob Stahl for the things that he's done for this campus. Because, look, the truth is Bob Stahl came in and he gave us the Larry K. Durham Center, whether directly, indirectly, whatever. But under his watch, we've had the, the Larry K. Durham Center, the new ticket center, the basketball facility. The upgrades. Upgrades. The, 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 um, and, and so he's done some good things. Not only that, I mean, some of the hires that he's made, I mean, in basketball, Gillespie might have been the best hire that we've ever uh-huh. had, aside from Don Haskins. You know, uh, Barbie was a good hire. I don't know. The only one I didn't like was Sadler. Yeah. But that, that's just my own opinion. But Keep you know, being, being able to Adams, keep Adams, I mean, you know, he's done well. You know, even football, getting Mike Price, you know, bringing back Sean Kugler to an extent. You know, he, he's done some good things. But the problem is that right now, at this point in time, things are not working. And, and I, like I said, I give him respect for the things that he has done. But it's, it's just amazing to me that, uh, that an athletic director at a Division One university is sitting here and watching his fans tell him, we're tired of this. We're tired of this. Look at, the, look at the, the attendance at football games, man. We've gone from an average of probably 35,000 during Mike Price's tenure over the course of his whole tenure. It's probably 32 to 35,000 in that range. And now we're down to, no bullshit, 10 to 12,000 people. 10 to 12,000 I'm not looking people. at announced numbers no more. <laughs> I mean, that, that's crazy. That is crazy. You look at basketball. Basketball, in the, you know, in the good day under Barbie, even the first year under Floyd, um, you know, we were probably averaging nine people, you know. And now, this season, we'll be lucky to break, I would say, six. You know, maybe we break six, but even at that, you're talking about a 33% decrease. In football, you're talking about a 75% or whatever, 66% decrease. That's insane. Your, your, your fans, and I keep going back to this, this comparison of, of a CEO. You know, a CEO would be Bob Stahl. And, and if that CEO was, had this company that was losing so much money and its shareholders were saying, we're out of here, we don't want this, we're selling, selling, that guy would not have his job anymore. The stock price of that company would be plummeting, which it is when you think about UTEP. I mean, think about where we're at, right? You know, when you talk about every time – you know, conference expansion comes up. And granted, there have been some points in time where the conference expansion talk has come up where we were maybe close to being a part of a bigger thing like a Mountain West. Now we're not even close. I mean, we're we're a bottom-tier team in a watered-down Conference USA. I mean, overall, I mean, if you were to rank conferences, I mean, we're, what, 10th? In, including both sports, because obviously there's not as many conferences in football. I mean, Twelve, maybe even. I mean, <laughs> you got a five and seven bowl team. I mean, the question I want to ask Bob Stoll. <laughs> a five and seven bowl team that we beat by yeah, 30. Yeah, we beat by 30. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. It, like, it's, the question I want to ask Bob Stoll is, and I don't know, I, he can't spin this question, but the question I really would love to ask him is, when you look at last year, around this time of year, maybe even a little later, North Texas and UTSA, had horrible athletic seasons, horrible athletic seasons. What did their fans do? North Texas is, is, is fan base. They, somebody bought an airplane and put a sign to fire the AD going over their football stadium. They won their last games. What did UTSA fans do? They stopped showing up. They voiced their, their displeasure. Some of their big-time donors went up to the athletic director and said, look, we respect Larry Coker. It ain't working. What happens? 
They cleaned house. UTSA did basketball, football. Rest in peace, Brooke Thompson, even though that ended a little bit more tragically than it should have, even though, you know, he was out before. But, you know, whatever. Look at where they're going now with their football program. They they made a splash hire with Frank Wilson. And, and people are like, who the hell is Frank Wilson? If you follow college football like me and Anthony do, that's a damn good hire. Like, that, to the outside, that's oh, it's just some LSU running. No, he's a damn good recruiter. Look what he's doing already. North Texas, same thing. They go in there. They clean house. They get a young guy. Fed literal kind of raises their profile in terms of where they're at in their Dallas-Fort Worth area. They go five wins. They, they, you know, they went on the road and beat up Army. I mean, I'm gonna, I want to ask, though, when you look at these, I'm going to call them sister schools because they're in the same boat UTEP is, and you see them being proactive, what steps are you taking to avoid – or what steps are you taking to be proactive – besides just leading your coaches here? Like, that's what I want to ask them. Like, are you looking around the conference and seeing other athletic directors being proactive, whether they're in favor or not of their fan base? But when they make changes, what does that do? Your approval rating goes up. Why? Because you're showing you're not going to stand for it. And that's what I want to ask Bob Stowell. Why are you waiting around so long to make changes when these schools that just got into Conference USA and see that competitive balance and they see – Conference USA is falling. So what are they doing? Shit, we, gotta, we can't worry about Conference USA. We got to build up our brand. And those what those two athletic directors have done, and I give them just the ultimate credit for that because they could have they, they gave Larry Coker one more year. They could have gave Dan McCartney. Those are names that I think in college football, the world, they kind of deserve that extra year. But those athletic directors weren't having it. They I remember, saw the disconnect in their fans. Why, where is that thinking in Bob Stoll's mind? That's what I, I remember the day, okay, which is about five or six years ago, when I would think of North Texas and UTSA yeah, yeah, yep. as like when the, much forty to ten were, wins, they were football. way they were way below yeah. us. You know, I considered their athletic programs way below UTEP, oh. and and the pendulum has swung in know? a big way and, and, in a in less than a calendar year, bro. That's that's what's crazy. It's not like a two or three year process. In one year from when they made changes, look at what they're doing now. And, and I I just so here's here's another question. I mean, what do you do? You know, because in my opinion, the answer is to to pour money into the programs, and and I'm talking about for coaches. Yeah. Because assistant coaches for, and support. For so long, we've been trying to scrape by. You know, oh, we're gonna offer two fifty with incentives to get maybe five six hundred thousand. Uh, I think you know, like we've talked about before, they 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 kind of came together for Floyd to give him five six hundred grand. Kugler, I think, is in the what three to four hundred range yeah, on up base. Up to five hundred, yeah. Um, well, Bob says it's way more, according to him. Yeah, what on that radio? Whatever. whatever. <laughs> um, you look at UTSA, and that was the first thing I looked up when you when you uh, when you mentioned Frank Wilson. Is he's making six hundred fifty grand a year base salary, man? At UTSA, and this is still and an up and coming. Are getting paid this, is, this is a still, this is still an up and coming Division One program. And they, conference and they opened a, up their their assistant pool too when they were hiring them. And, he requested that. And what gets me the most is seeing, and this is another thing I tweeted out last week, and I may have mentioned it on the last podcast. I don't even know when I tweeted it, but seeing Houston. Okay, it's been ten years roughly since Houston was essentially on the same level as UTEP. Football and basketball-wise. Now, they, they had a better team in football in the sense that they were they were getting bigger wins. They were, you know, being nationally. But their crowd hadn't shown up for the past couple of years. And, but my, my point more than anything was that, like, we were competing with them head-to-head, toe-to-toe. Even when they were 12th in the nation or whatever and they came in here, we were going toe-to-toe with those dudes. And, and we've fallen so far from where they're at now. They've ascended to a point where they're having a short list with guys like Lane, Lane Kiffin – and Les Miles, bro, like Les Miles just left or just got fired from one of the biggest jobs in the Southeastern Conference. Shit, Lane Kiffin has the best fucking job and, in the Southeastern Conference. Lane, Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's the OC for the best team in the country. In the world. And, and you know, Shit. these guys are on the short list for, a, for a, Houston. Oh, a team that wasn't even filling Robertson Stadium a couple of years ago. And, and we're mm-hmm. sitting here just, just – Twiddling our thumbs at, going, at, 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 at a 10-point loss to North Dakota. Chug that beer, bro. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll end the basketball talk with this. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock, Root Sports Network. Uh, we'll have the, the How You Watch post up there for y'all tomorrow. I didn't really look at that one. Busy day. Busy day because um, 
hey, UTEP football, they uh, got a couple of guys that got some rewards, uh, awards, not reward. I guess you call them rewards too, but good to see Aaron Jones not get snubbed uh, from first-team all-conference USA. I don't know how you could uh, could have snubbed a guy that almost ran for 2,000 yards, led your conference in rushing and rushing touchdowns. Congrats to Aaron. That We knew that was going to be uh, that was going to come. Hayden Plink, tremendous season. That, that was a shock to me. That Plink first team? Because he had, I think he, I think he had like nine touchdowns. I, I think that's what they looked yeah. at. So in that case, it was just, yeah, obviously he didn't have the yards, but. The yards mean, or receptions. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no disrespect to Hayden Plink. The guy's a great tight end. He's done great for us, but I just, I, I, that was a little bit of a shock. Will Hernandez, that, you know. NFL. Understandable. I mean, that, that could, Aaron Jones expected Hayden Plink. A little shock to me, but. Man, congratulations to all three of them. Yep. And then you got the freshman team. Well, I was real surprised to see uh, the freshmen represent. I mean, and these guys really – because, you don't know – forget, Don't forget Alvin Jones, second team, Alvin, right, before yeah, you Alvin, go on to those. Go, 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 I think we had some uh, some honorable mention cats, too, if I'm not mistaken. Alvin Jones, second team, and honorable mention. We had uh, Nick Usher and Alan Luna, Terry Janelle. That's another guy that you know. Terry Janelle didn't didn't. Yeah. He, I mean, he was he was an average punt returner. I'll say that he was average. He he flipped some field position a couple of times, but I think there was maybe a little bit of disappointment. We really hyped him up. I, I hyped him up, I, and I still think he he can ball. But the guy I felt that got snubbed was Nick Needham. Nick Needham had a hell yeah. of a first half of the year. I mean, first half of the year, I thought he was one of the better corners. And I I'm watching what, eight or nine football games a weekend? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like between high school, college, and NFL. So the first half of the year, Nick Needham was the best corner I'm watching. Now, he did have a, he did have some midseason struggles a game or two, but I really thought Nick Needham was the first team all-conference guy. That was really – that's really the only guy that I can say was snubbed. I mean, you can make a point for, uh, for, for Alvin Jones to be a first team, but there was some pretty productive linebackers at Conference USA. The UTSA guy, the guy from yeah, Old the injuries. You know, he was held out of a few games, yeah. had some injuries, you know, and, and that, that obviously would affect you. I mean, you yeah, – what, two, three games he missed? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, you pump up those numbers. Too, yeah, exactly. That, and so. if you pump up those numbers with those extra three games, you know, you're probably first team. But, you know, talking about the freshman, Greg Long, offensive line, um, Chris Richardson, defensive line, Jason Van Hook, linebacker, Dustin, uh, Justin Rogers, defensive back. Four freshmen uh, named to the all to the all freshman team. That to me says a lot about what Cougar is doing. You know how he's trying to build this program. Again, I'm still disappointed in the results that he's had, and I don't like the way that he's running that offense. But other than that, I mean, the guy. And, and, and this is going back to what you were talking about a minute ago with, you know, the way Cougar is and and how he's a straight up guy and how he's. It just seems like he's trying to do it the right way. I I, I couldn't disagree with that at all. I I do. And and showing that he's put four guys, four freshmen on this all-conference team is great. Uh, and I mean, it's great. And it's weird because Chris Richardson was a guy I would not expect to be on there, but he played a big part when Geno Breslin went down the last half of the season. And and I I don't know if I wrote or if I talked about this somewhere, uh, but I I like where that defensive nose tackle position that nose tackle position is set with Richardson with Chekawalu, the guy that we had when he signed on our podcast. Tiano Tialvela is a 6'4 monster. I like when the direction that's going in. Another thing, too, like there was a lot of other freshmen that got some playing time this year. Walter Don, yep. Eddie Senegal, uh, Greg Long obviously was mentioned, uh, Van Hooks mentioned, uh, Dylan Parsi was another guy, Colby McGarry. Those are, found, are nice foundations for this program. And that, you know, that's something that we really didn't talk about this year. Because, I mean, it was pretty much bad all around. But if you're really watching UTEP football, like I know a lot of you guys do, you're seeing these freshmen making strides. And that's something that's positive going into next year. But still, you need you, you got some areas that you need to hit. And, and to me, obviously, linebacker is one area that we're already seeing them go out, go after the JUCO level. But I really think Ryan Metz needs some help at wide receiver. And particularly a pass-catching tight end. I think that needs to be a priority. Defensively, I actually like where UTEP's defense is going. In terms of personnel – guys returning and whatnot and how they develop. But offensively, you need one or two playmakers here's, and or somebody to step up. You know, here's here's my main concern. Um, things need to start to change offensively, especially without Aaron Jones, if he's not coming back. I mean, either way, you've only got one more year with him, Max. Yeah. You know, so things need to start taking a different direction with him because Aaron Jones is, is not an everyday – once in a you know, lifetime. Yeah, he, he, he's he's really is. I mean, the guy is so special. 
And you're not – I mean, look, Walter Don showed some great stuff this year. A couple of the other guys showed some flashes, but they're not Aaron Jones. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying that they can't be great or they can't put up numbers. They got a long way to go. They got a long way to go. And, and I think it's time for, for this offense to, to kind of evolve a little bit and realize that, hey, we're not going to be able to ride Aaron Jones to, to the end zone anymore. And, and so that has to happen. So, for me, the biggest thing that I want to see in recruiting is for this team to go after a true, true pocket passer, pro-style whatever you spread it matter but a, a guy that's that's legitimately a pocket passer because look uh what's his name Greeley is is was he is he done is he only one year he, no he he's got one? two years but i mean he's gonna probably be a backup okay so you know sure. you got left with who things have never panned out with you've got Mets who's now in his, the, be in his third the, year he's the guy he's, he's the guy but going forward i mean Life after Mets. Exactly, life after Mets. And and you have to start looking at these things now. You cannot wait till Mets is a senior and have a freshman come in and start. You want to have this guy come in now and have a year or two to be groomed behind your starter and then be able to take the reins right away as a junior. Or maybe compete for the job as a sophomore. I don't know. But, but we need to go after a real passing threat quarterback. And I'm not saying that Mets – isn't that guy he's he's done well but for the future of this program without Aaron Jones we really need to to, to find a quarterback that's going to be able to run to run this team and I honestly it, it, you might want to go watch this huddle just to think I'm not just spewing bullshit but I think that Alex Fernandez can develop into it this is uh, from, from Austin Vandergrip uh, I'm not from, gonna, from Austin Vander he's from Austin oh okay so I, I don't know like I said, right now, I don't think he's the immediate answer because I have a lot of faith in Ryan Metz over the next two years. I think he's that dude. But you mentioned a guy that can develop. I think he has. He has great footwork if you watch his huddle. That's that's one thing that stands out to me a lot is his footwork. That will say a lot in his pocket arm, passes. Arm strength. arm strength can definitely use some size. work. Size 6'3", 215, and he can dunk. And So he's an athlete. He yeah. can move around. But I think that it, looking at, at – this is a perfect example. Zach Greenlee has horrible footwork. Yeah. Now, like I said, and then, now you made a good point because during spring ball and during all that, or during fall camp, I thought his footwork was great. Get him in the game situation, throwing off his back, all foot. the way yeah, out I mean, the window. Yeah. Total opposite guy from a footwork standpoint, not from a guy that can deliver a ball. No, from a footwork standpoint, when I'm watching a Zach Greenlee in the pocket in fall before a game, it looks great. This guy was not there. Now, Alex Fernandez played. Some Really good teams in that district. He plays in a gauntlet district over there in 16A. He's playing against the West Lakes, the Lake Tra- like the the, ball, the ballers, the top of the top in the state. And he's considered consistently just showing great footwork. Consistently, he's not a guy that's going to put up 3,000 yards. They're kind of a balanced offense that they run. But that's a guy that actually ends with the S, Fernandez. But either way, I think he can be that guy. You know, he's not highly rated. Uh, you know, he had a couple of small school offers, but I know a lot of people were kind of looking at him and, and, and trying to give him a shot. But I think that is that's a guy that could be that answer to what you wanted. But I agree, they they do need to look for life after Ryan Metz because I think Ryan Metz over the next two years is going to develop into that guy. I really think Metz has that ability. He's shown how much he can improve. I mean, I think that's the proof in the proof. Not because I like Ryan, not because I know Ryan. Look at his stats. Look at the way that he's improved from his first year last year, even going back to that North that North Texas game at the end of, of his freshman year. He's improved greatly, and I think you're still going to see that over Ryan Metz, but you're right. Life after Ryan Metz, it, it, life after Aaron Jones is scary, but life after Ryan Metz is even more scary because – of Utah's lack of a passing game. So I look at I look at this and uh, he had interest or they had interest in uh, from from Kansas, Kansas State, SMU, Southern Miss, Texas State to name a few. But I also look at some of the other ones and this stands out to me big time when you talk about Holy Cross, Princeton, Brown, Columbia, Harvard. I mean, and offers from Princeton and Holy Cross. So obviously, the guy's smart, you know. So that's that's great to see. Um, like you said, a nice size is actually listed at six four. Um, so, so I mean, you know, six, yeah, exactly. But that's good because I didn't want to see six three, and yeah, I know nah, he's six nah, two. Nah, nah. So he's six three. You know, that's that's definitely a decent size there. That's somewhere um, to start. I, I, like you mentioned, it, it, it's it, this guy has been committed. So Brent Peace was after him. I remember, I actually remember meeting him in, in the spring at, at a spring practice. You know, and the fact that the, I was gonna I was gonna bring this another question to you. You know, how much longer to, does Sean Coogler have? Because a few weeks ago, you know, I was pretty much done with them. And, and honestly, I'm still disappointed in the way this season went. And 
Um, and I, like I said, I don't like the way he's running the offense. I, I, I give him credit for some of the things that he's doing, but how long do you give him? Because obviously he's not going to be fired. I mean, we, I think we've crossed that yeah. point where he, he's coming back, not only, you know, with what Bob Stahl said, but you're just at a point now where the season's over and you're going on to bowl games and you haven't heard anything. So he, he's coming back. So how long? It's funny. How long I, does he get? I think you asked me this. And I was like, if he loses this year, he's out. He's in watch. <laughs> and, I, and I felt pretty confident about that. Like, I really did. But I honestly feel more vindicated about it. Now, obviously – I mean, you can look at it and say, you know, you should give him another year. He has so much young talent, but it came together for him in year two with not as much specialty talent. He had great linemen, really good linebackers, two great running backs. Now this year, I felt like his offensive line is falling apart. Yeah, his offensive line is falling apart, but he's got better defensive backs. He's got a little bit better receivers. He's got some playmakers. So it's kind of like – it, it, it's weird. It's weird to see how what we thought it was going to be the past two years where it's kind of went opposite in the recruiting. Where we're thinking, damn, we're going to be so good offensive line-wise. We're going to struggle with skill guys, but it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. So, so that is, that's something that Does if, he he can, if he can pull that together, they should – I mean, the schedule is obviously huh. what, 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 what yeah. makes me not even going to predict this team going close to bowling next year just because of the schedule. But – that's going to play against him, man. And, and, and I know Sean isn't going to put that as an excuse. In his words, he's going to go out there and fight it. But, you know, I, I don't know. If, if you go 2-9 and nine, three, or 2-10, and 3-9, and, and, and you're not – you lose a bunch of close games next year, Sean, you know what? You, you battle. You improve. But if, if you're still getting dusted, if, if Oklahoma puts 60 on us and we're only scoring two garbage touchdowns to make it 60-14, or you go into New Mexico State and struggle, or you come in here and Arizona wipes the floor with you, you got to go. But That's if he crazy, shows progress, man. he's going he's gonna to stick around. I think as long as they show progress, I think that's what – wins and losses for next year, I'm not even going to get into that until week six, week seven of the season because that schedule is so, so damn So awesome, does he man. survive another four and eight season? You lose three of those games by a touchdown or less, I think so. Damn. I think so. as tough as it is, but I just if he gets blown out again like I this mean, year, you're, you're talking about you're talking. Let's just assume Aaron Jones comes back, okay? Because I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think so too. You know, it, 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 check this out. Y'all talk a little bit. Look who declared already for the running backs: Fournette, Fournette yeah. and Foreman. Aaron Jones ain't a first round back this year. NFL backs, how many have taken over the past couple years? One or two, maybe. That pushes his stop back, but go, I just wanted to throw that saying, out there. Let, let's just say that that you lose Aaron Jones this year. I mean, next year, right? He comes back next year, and you're going to lose him after that, right? One more year of eligibility. So, 2017 ends, you go four and eight again, and you're losing Aaron Jones, which is your basically your main Offense. weapon. I mean, where do you go from there? Like, how, how can you justify bringing him back after five years with basically? five losing seasons because the one year that he went six and six, they ended six and seven, whatever, five losing seasons. I mean, how, how do you seven and six, but still you, 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 seven and six, there were seven and five that year. No. 14. No, I'm going to make you prove that one. Nah, you're looking, you're thinking about Mike price, your boy. I'm going to make you prove that he one. Was seven and six that year. We went seven and five. We're going to find out. We about to find out. But, you know, but I hear you though. I hear you though, and and that's I mean the another thing too that we 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 got to touch on. We could definitely have a long time to touch on this, but there's he's been able to recruit some running backs. Quadres Wadley, the guy I'm so excited to see finally Antonio Dupree, the three star guy from Maryland. So I mean that's something that you can kind of argue, but they're improving. Those guys are improving. Even Quadres Wadley, he he didn't have the gear that I thought he. Maybe he'd bust out 300 yards, 400 yards, having a 100-yard game against the Houston Baptist. Didn't really happen. Obviously, you know, he's going to have to get in the weight room and, and work, uh, as Anthony owes me like 20 bucks for winning <laughs> this little mini bet that I made in my head because he said they go 7-6 and 2014. Uh, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's just th- there's guys where, there. Where, where do you go, though? Where do you go after 2017? You finish 4-8 again. Where do you go? I mean, I mean, what what can you possibly expect from 2018 from the same coach, the same system? That, you know, that's why I think it's, biggest... that's why I think it, 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 it's it's going to be a game to game situation to situation thing in year five with, with Kugler. I really think that's, I mean, and, and of course, you know, like I said, if he's just getting wiped out, 
You know, because you look at, at that schedule, after Oklahoma, that's a conference game right there at home. Yeah. So you're playing yeah. Oklahoma on the road, and then you're coming home to play a conference game, and then you got Arizona at home. So you can easily start out 0-3 and, and then go to New Mexico State in a rivalry game, that be 0-3. That and conference not, game is going to be really, gonna, really yes. big. You're going to hope that you have a winnable right. game at that point. Because yes. if not, you're off to a rough yeah. start. And I, I just think it's going to be a game-to-game type of deal with Sean Cooley for next year. I mean, I like the guy because I, I see – what he's trying to do program wise, but like we mentioned, offensively, bruh. Well, bruh. Plenty, plenty bruh. of time to find out exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. As we all know, Bob Stoll basically saying that these guys have as long as they want uh, at the at the helm of their programs. So we'll we'll see what happens next year. I mean, I'm 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 willing to give, although you know a bit hesitant. I'm willing to give Sean Cougar that extra year. Not that it matters what I'm willing to give or not, but hey, you know what? Give him a Jones back hopefully and you know healthy Ryan Metz and you know pretty good defense out there so we'll see what he can do um but we'll try to have some more recruiting updates right now they're hitting Juco so hard linebackers yeah, that's another thing that I think you've seen from Sean Coogler man because when he first came in he really wanted to build this thing with high school kids and yeah. now he's starting to realize that you're at a school like UTEP where you cannot yeah. afford to not go out and, and, he, and he's done it where he's built that foundation where now he can go sign 12 Juco guys and be okay because a lot of your freshmen and sophomores are still young and developing. So that's where you've seen. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if six or seven of those 12 scholarships for next year are, are on the roster next year and JUCO guys. Because he can have that. And any local El Paso kid this year is going to get gray shirt. I guarantee that right now. Unless you're Josh Fields or unless somehow, someway, Tyquist, I think, but that ain't, he's going to Utah. So that's something to look at recruiting-wise. El Paso isn't really deep as it was last year. I don't know if it'll ever be deep as it was last year with talent. Um, you know, this year was kind of a down. You got some good players, guys that, you know, played well in the El Paso scene, don't have the foot speed, but Juco guys, safeties, linebackers, and God, hopefully we can find some type of transfer receiver or somebody that can just give Ryan Metz an opportunity. Because I, I, I really think Eddie Senegal is going to develop into a really good player, he needs help. Ryan Metz, him needs help. So something to keep an eye out. We'll try and to keep up some football for it to make it. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. So we'll try to keep y'all up to up to breast on the. Uh, is that the right way to say up to breast? We'll that, keep you abreast. Oh, I'm working on my my, my I'm working on my vocabulary? my vocabulary. Doing right. two podcasts a week now. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that. That's that for football. Plenty of time to talk about that over the off season. But let's move on real quick. Let's run down these conference USA basketball power rankings. Um, yeah, exactly. Just I don't the top do six it. or what? Um, Middle Tennessee comes in at number one, no question. They're looking the uh, eight and one on the season. Rice number two, six and two on the season. Surprising Rice. Uh, Old Dominion number three, UAB number four. Um, that's a little surprising right there. UAB starting out four and four. I think we expected a little more. Out of they them. played a tough schedule though. They, they have. have. They played a really they tough have. schedule. Charlotte comes in at number five. Louisiana Tech is sixth. Marshall, seven. West Kentucky, eight. North Texas, nine. When, is, when does UTEP come up on this list, bro? Keep going. Keep going. You're almost there. <laughs> North Texas, nine. FAU, 10. FIU, 11. Tied 11 with UTEP. Oh, this is my heart's going to break. Um, this is my heart's going to break. What? UTEP is 13. UTEP Miners. That's pretty good. I was I mean, expecting worse. This is, the top 20, this is the top 25, right? <laughs> <laughs> Utah 13, 2 and 4, RPI 336, strength of schedule 298, already two tough losses, both at home to start this season. Um, man, things are getting rough. Number 14, Southern Miss. That's kind of crazy because, I mean, it's only been a couple years that those were the two teams oh, yeah. that were the top teams in this conference. And all of a sudden, they're both sitting at the bottom, 13 and 14, both. Uh, I mean, look at it. Like, Southern Miss is getting rolled by Florida State. Look, look this, this is – Way too early in the season to care anything about RPI. Honestly, it is. But RPI at 343 for Southern Miss. SOS of 338. I mean, that's – there's only like 340 schools, right? 351. 351? Wow. We're only 15 away, buddy. Conference RPI, 23rd. 23rd. When I started doing minor rush, we were 16th, 17th. And I think even the couple years before that, they probably were a top 12. If I'm not Let's mistaken. jump on this real quick and just take a look at, at uh, how the conferences line up. Where is it? You know, I, I used oh, – I forgot to put – I used the real-time – I don't know if it matters. Or the live RPI, whatever. I don't know if it matters or not, but – Let's see. College basketball conference. 
RPI. Just want to take a look and see. Obviously, we know where Conference USA falls. It's but bad. Yeah, no, I understand <laughs> that. But what I'm trying to find out is, you know, who were, what, what company we're in. You know what I'm saying? So here it is, right here. Um, the Big Twelve is number one. No, that's that's. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 12. Big Twelve is number one. Big East number two. Big Ten, ACC, SEC, Pac-12, A10, American, Mountain West, MC, uh, WCC, MVC. CAA. So those top 12 are pretty much expected. I mean, that's, that's, and then, you know, without the teams like Memphis and and even like a Houston, you know, we fell into that next tier. Um, We were probably fighting with teams like with conferences, like the Mountain West, but you know, maybe not the West coast because they always got Gonzaga and that a lot. Um, But, you know, I mean, man, I'm just, Third, man. We're, we're right behind the Patriots. What's up, American East? What's up, Ivy? And What's up, Atlantic Sun? And the su- Where's the wiggity whack? Is the whack? That is that is wild to me. This podcast, but we got to call on the line to Colorado. Area. It's gonna it's gonna be. Is it gonna be more of that same nonsense? Let's uh, find out. Nonsense this time. How's it going? You're on the Rush Podcast. Who are we speaking to? Hey, this is Dan from Colorado. I uh, hello, hello. Can you hear me? All right. Well, we cannot hear you, but yeah, 23rd, man. 23rd in the country in RPI. Where's the WAC? The WAC. Even the WAC is the, the WAC is a 14. <laughs> All right. Let's end this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> things, things have gone from bad to worse and from worse to worse with Conference USA, with UTIP Athletics, man. Things are tough. But this is why. Cheers. Hope y'all enjoyed it. That was the Rush Podcast. I'm Anthony Salome. That's Alex Nicholas. You can find us at MinorRush.com, at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter, SBN Minor Rush at gmail.com, facebook.com slash Minor Rush. And, and wherever else you want to find us, we out.